0: You can find it on the Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: The Chicago Bears are in the playoffs as they lose to the Green Bay Packers 35-16 while the Rams beat the Cardinals 18-7, locking in their spot. I walk through the Packers game and their upcoming matchup against the New Orleans Saints on this episode of Bear With Me. What's going on everybody and welcome back to Bear With Me, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, right here on the Windy City Gridiron podcasting channel. And I come to you guys today after a 35-16 to 16 Chicago Bears loss in Soldier Field to the Green Bay Packers a little bit puzzled, certainly a little more than normal, because this game is what just, technically speaking, got the Bears into the playoffs after Arizona lost to the Rams, but it's also yet another loss to the Packers that, going strictly off the top of my head, makes us 3-19 and in our last 23 matchups against them, and it just felt like the same old, same old. Like, I want to react in some kind of way, like, ah man, things were so bad, but the truth is is that this was a game that i had a lot of hopes for going into for no reason i just as a fan i knew the packers were a better team but it felt like there was an upset in the wind maybe anybody out there who felt the same way felt or knows what i'm talking about but then the bears came out and Everything went super duper well. The Bears came out, they were running the ball ferociously, and they were protecting Trubisky a fair bit, because as he dropped back and threw his one deeper shot of what felt like the whole first half, he missed it to Mooney, but that didn't matter, because the Bears kept running the ball, they did so successfully, David Montgomery got hurt, came back into the game like the warrior he is, and continued running the ball well, ultimately running the ball into the end zone, and things felt like they were great, especially because... Because if y'all knew what I knew, if the Bears kept running the ball like that, they were going to win this game. And then, of course, the Packers took the ball, and they took it right back down and scored, but even as they did, you could tell that Akeem Hicks was already making a difference. There were a couple plays in that first drive where Danny Trevathan shot through the line to make a play in the backfield, and you could see Akeem Hicks was eating blockers. He was making a difference in this run game. Hey, maybe, I know I thought, sitting at 7-7, to this game really could be the shootout that the Bears need if they're going to win. And then when the Bears stalled, I flagged a little in my face, Faith, but a muffed punt suddenly renewed it as the bears held the ball down at their opponent's 23 who cares if they didn't get there on their or by their own offense they were there and they sputtered out and only got 3 points at that point i know i started to flag a little bit a little get or started to get a little bit bummed out maybe you all did too because it suddenly dawned on me that the bears could fall behind and considering that the bears then didn't get a stop in the entire first half when facing aaron rodgers and his offense ultimately, by the way, allowing him to finish with a 147.9 quarterback rating on 19 completions from 24 attempts, 240 yards, four touchdowns, and only one sack, it began a theme that was pretty tough to watch, where the Bears' defense, missing a few too many pieces, with Kendall Vildor, Duke Shelley, and then Roquan Smith going down in the middle of the game, which was a monstrous blow to our defense. That meant that there were three major holes in coverage for pretty much the entire game, and the Packers easily victimized them and would have had yet another long play. They had one on a blown blitz that seemed to come from some kind of miscommunication. Hard to tell without the All-22, but it did seem as if, like, The blitz that the Bears put on ended up getting messed up due to some kind of miscommunication at the line of scrimmage, people in the wrong place, suddenly Danny Trevathan is trying to carry Marquez valdez Scandling all the way up the field and he can't. Aaron Rodgers beat him right over the top relatively easily for a long score. That was one of the themes of this Bears game and it was a strugglesome one to watch as the Bears just didn't seem to have the talent or the tools or the scheme or whatever you want to call it to compete with this Packers team on defense on offense hey maybe they would be able to grind out some points certainly that first drive had me hoping that they would but their defense was really struggling and again that ridiculous quarterback rating from Aaron Rodgers as well as a solid 4.2 yards per carry day from the Green Bay Packers rushing attack seems to suggest that there was just nothing they could really do to slow the Packers down until the Packers and I'm skipping to the second half as I say this literally dropped a touchdown down pass and suddenly seemed to get in their own head for a series or two as the Bears started to apply pressure. Either way, as long as the Bears would be able to keep up on offense, this game was still well in hand, right? Well, they didn't seem to be able to. The Bears' running game started to flag a little bit as they ended up finishing with only 3.18 yards per carry by running backs. Mitch Trubisky added 5.5 yards per carry, which boosts up the average, but just looking at the running back related carries, they only picked up about 3.1 yards per carry suddenly pushing them into more obvious passing situations, especially since the Packers, whatever they did, and I'm dying to get in the All-22 to find out, they were able to take away a lot of the intermediate and deep options on most play-action passing uh, plays, leading Trubisky, whose usual rollouts result in 10 to maybe 15 yards, to only get limited to about 4 to 7 yards, depending on how much Cole Kmet or Darnell Mooney could break a tackle. Which, by the way, both Kmet and Mooney had a very solid, Solid games. I thought Kmet was solid in his blocking assignments, Mooney had a phenomenal play downfield as well as a couple of great plays with the ball in his hands, both of those have been fun to watch as a rookie, but ultimately Bears fans... I think what I'm getting at that became really tough is that this Bears team seemed shut down by a Packers team that was a whole lot better than them and I've seen this before and it wasn't really all that much fun to watch I'm actually a lot more positive about their matchup coming up against the Saints because I think that the Saints team has a lot more vulnerabilities especially depending on Alvin Kamara's status and an aging Drew Brees that is not Aaron Rodgers let's just put it that way and a defense that is beatable and if you don't believe me just ask Nick Foles' 20-23 to 23 points that he was able to put up earlier in this season, but really it felt like this was a game, this Bears-Packers game that is, where the offensive schematic issues that I know folks like me talked about a couple weeks ago felt really good about after the Jacksonville game coming into this one came home to roost. The Packers were able to figure out exactly what the Bears wanted to do. Their linebackers smashed Alex Bars and Sam Mustafer. Those were two that I caught specifically, maybe Cody Whitehair too all I know is that the Bears line was able to generate some running holes in that very first drive and suddenly those running holes weren't there anymore in the second third and even fourth quarter and a lot of that was because those Packers linebackers were screeching downhill and I have no idea whether Matt Nagy was or wasn't calling intermediate routes that I would think he would want to use to try to catch those linebackers crashing down but whatever happened the Bears offense suddenly turned into instead of the running juggernaut that uses play to generate chunk plays through the air and buoys Trubisky, it became, honestly, what looked just like the 2019 offense, which is not good. And it left me in a real state of questioning, right? Because I remember coming out of 2019 thinking that Mitch Trubisky was holding uh, Matt Nagy back and that once Matt Nagy got, quote-unquote, his quarterback, things would get better. But then, of course, Nick Foles entered the game, and I could make whatever excuses I want to about offensive line play. I agree with you guys that it didn't work. Like, things didn't really get that much better. And who knows, maybe the offensive line is really that big of an issue. Certainly, Foles was taking pressure a whole lot. But I agree that then once Mitch came back into the games, and even though he started playing some defenses that weren't all that great, the offense was extremely successful, partially because of a solid and renewed running game, but partially because Mitch looked literally more confident than I've ever seen him playing, throwing with consistent accuracy into both tight windows and wide-open play. And it just looked like Nagy had been holding Trubisky back the whole time. That's what it had looked like over the last four weeks, barring the fifth week all the way back, which was week 12's Packer game, where things didn't look very good. Over the last four, it looked like the laser offense was really benefiting Mitch Trubisky. But let's be clear about something. I saw a lot of folks talk about how Ian Rappaport before the game said that Matt Nagy had his hands involved in the play calling or something to that effect, which he did. I listened to it a couple times. He didn't say Matt was calling plays, but he said that he had a lot to do with the play calling and Okay, maybe he did say something about calling plays here or there or that his play calling was making a difference, but it's worth remembering that I talked to Bobby Peters the offensive analyst that you guys know that I basically get all of my offensive information from about how play calling works and play calling as we think it is with one guy selecting all the plays Madden style doesn't really happen play calling is a combined effort by basically the entire offensive staff often everybody from the offensive coordinator to the offensive line coach to the head coach if they like doing it and so on and so forth like John DeFilippo's involved and Dave Ragon's involved and Bill Laser's involved, and Matt Nagy's involved, and they've been basically drawing up plays together, and then Laser picks through which ones he wants to use based on the situations they've drawn up. So I can tell you with confidence, because I saw it today, this was the same game plan that whipped the Lions, that beat the Titans, or not the Titans, that beat the Texans, that beat the Vikings, and whipped Jacksonville. It just didn't work. And part of that's because the Bears lack a drop back passing game, which is a huge bummer, but... I don't really want to get into that, because without the All-22, I can't make any definitive statements, so we'll save that for later in the week, be it my usual Wednesday night stream at 9pm, or with Danny and Brandon on Rule of Three. Either way, this offensive thing has got to get fixed. Whether that means firing Matt Nagy, changing quarterbacks, or whatever else the Bears need to do, additions at offensive line, feel like an absolute must at this point. I'm a huge fan of that path as well, because in a game against the Packers, only being able to score 16 points is almost never going to win you the game. I think that was one of the hardest parts to watch. The Packers had a whole lot of matchup advantages that they could take advantage of because not only are they a a very good offense, but the Bears were missing significant pieces, but the Bears offense seemingly had what it needed to keep pace, it had a new philosophy that they were working off of it had solid line play, or so it seemed, it had a running game that was really working, it had wide receivers and a quarterback that were playing with confidence and swagger, and it all seemed to evaporate under pressure and that's no fun especially as you get into the playoffs now, but on the other hand, the Bears are in the playoffs they're in the playoffs now the for the second time in three years that's two of three of Nagy's years which is hilarious because I would agree with any Nagy detractors that I don't know if this was an Earned year, certainly when or losses against the Lions and others hang in memory, but it was a year where nevertheless they added a seventh seed and the Bears are the seventh seed. And I actually do think that the Bears are a very deserving seventh seed, right? We're that last guy in, we tend to play like it. We've got some playoff capability, especially when Mitch and the offense is on, but when we're off, we seem like the worst team in the playoffs, but we will get there. That's why they play these games on paper. And one thing that I know frustrated me, just like I'm sure it frustrated you, Bears fan, was that this game felt like it was within reach. If just one more play goes our way, if Kolkmet doesn't fumble as he's apparently sitting down where I would have sworn his butt was down before that ball came out. But heck, I don't really know. It was very, very close. And I'm surprised the referees called it the way that they did. But hey that happens sometimes, and Eddie Jackson and Kendall Vildor, both missing interception opportunities, as well as Barcavius Mingo, to a degree, though that was a very, very, very tough play had he made it. It felt like the Bears just needed "quote unquote" that one more thing to get back in the game. Whether it was Eddie picking off that pass and setting the Bears up in field goal range at th- that point, I think it was 23 to or 21 to 16, or it was Kendall Vildor picking off the pass after the Bears had uh, had failed on their fourth and one. Which let's talk about that in a little bit. That would have again reset the Bears back in scoring position to try to go down and win the game. The Bears just didn't have that one play, and then Rodgers, of course, took the ball once they were up only 21 to 16 and housed it the other way 28 to 16 and suddenly it felt like the Bears really fell in on themselves Mitch Trubisky had to throw downfield which he really didn't do all game long whether it was as he rolled out or in the dropback passing game I'm going to be really curious to see what his average depth of target was after a game like today and, uh, and then as soon as he started throwing downfield outside of the play action Mooney pass he throws an interception it doesn't look great and the Packers turn around and score it. It's 35-16, to 16 and the game's effectively over. Tough one, but hey, I guess you'd rather it happen this week than next week, but maybe I'm being semantic at that point and, dare I say, optimistic. I don't like losing to the Packers just as much as anybody else doesn't like losing to the Packers, but at this point, they're a very good team. This is what they've done to us. It's what they may continue to do to us until we improve a little bit. But how can we go about improving a little bit? We'll talk about that on the other end of the break for now. We'll let our sponsors get a word in, and I will talk to you guys in just a second.
0: What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prof G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, of Prop G-Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G-Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: And we are back with Bear With Me, talking about the Packers Bears game that has now let the Bears into the playoffs, even though it did not look pretty. It wasn't a pretty win either, it was a pretty ugly loss. But the Bears are in the playoffs nevertheless, and that means that they're going to be going to New Orleans to face the Saints. And I'm going to be really curious to see how this team responds because, like I talked with Patty last week, the fire Matt Nagy or continue on in the Matt Nagy era question has become more and more complicated as games like this happen where no the Bears didn't necessarily get blown away they were competitive throughout the game but the scoreline indicates what felt like the gap between these two teams even though one play could have changed it at any point and it ends up obviously looking like a pretty lopsided defeat even so I think that going to face Drew Brees who's a weaker quarterback than Aaron Rodgers especially at his age right now in an AstroTurf laden field that maybe who knows Robert Quinn could come to life which (laughs) wouldn't that be great I mean I'm sure plenty of other people have been saying that for weeks now but the Bears I think match up a little better against the Saints than the Bears do the Packers who are just loaded at this point, and hopefully the Bears will get Roquan Smith, maybe even Jalen Johnson back, because those would be two huge additions for a defense that Desperately needs it. Watching this defense has become really frustrating. And I know I'm not the only one that says that because it feels like this team is paying for so much more than what they're getting. I know I've talked about expenses before and blah, blah, blah. Bears defense, second most expensive in the NFL. I get that. But I'm sure you understand the feeling, Chicago fan. Like, we are a defensive city. We've always been a defensive team with a defensive soul. And in a game like this, where the Bears, sure, they only scored 16 points. Three of those came off of a punt muff. Three of them came off of a huge play to Darnell Mooney that was awesome all around. Schemed a schemed block for Mitch Trubisky. Mitch rolling out. Mitch making the throw. Mooney making the catch. All of it was great. And then one more a field goal off of a grinded out drive. Outside of that, this offense didn't get much going. In fact, it never felt like it really attacked the interior of the field or the intermediate route set that I would have anticipated. Again, punishing the linebackers like I talked about earlier. felt like an offense that was content to take five yards and call it at that but that might work a little better against the Saints who I don't I don't know much about him I'll be honest but the Packers know Mitch so well at this point that part of me thinks that there is an attitude of he's the guy down the street and we know how to beat him whereas with the Saints they'll have to draw up a scouting report that scouting report should include the last bunch of games that Mitch has had in many of which he's played pretty well and hopefully Mitch will shine under the bright lights and yes I mean that I bear no ill will towards Trubisky and goodness I want him to play well he seemed fairly limited in this game where it felt as if the Packers fenced him in off of this running attack and play action stuff that the Bears had been doing they limited the ground game which seemingly took away some of the play action uh, that the Bears wanted to do and suddenly Trubisky didn't seem like he had any answers often checking it down though many of those plays just called for short routes that the Packers were often anticipating not Everything was Trubisky's fault, and goodness, I never want to come across that way. That said, I would love to see him break away from that against the Saints, respond really well. I hope Mitch Trubisky makes our er, our off-season conversation an incredibly difficult one when it comes to extending him because he's able to find a way to win this game, and then, I mean, gracious alive, we may travel to Lambeau Field, and if he pulls off an upset there, it gets even wilder. Even so, of course, the Saints are a very good team and the bears could end up on the negative end of a game but that we'll have to wait and see when it comes to that as it stands at the moment this game definitely wasn't a great one not one that we probably want to talk about more than we have to but we do have to talk about just enough like I do want to go back to talking about Chuck Pagano I think one of the worst parts about this has been that it feels as if Khalil Mack Robert Quinn Akeem Hicks maybe not Robert Quinn you can even leave him out of this but Robert Quinn er, or the said it again but Khalil Mack Akeem Hicks Kyle Fuller Eddie Jackson and tons of the talent that the Bears have on this team you could throw Danny Trevathan in there if you want to and definitely Roquan Smith can play better than what the Bears have been putting out but as Duke Shelley got beat for that touchdown and Kendall Vildor, uh, I know Duke Shelley got away with, not he didn't even get away on fourth down with a pass interference and Danny Trevathan gets beat by Marquez Valdez-Scandling and Josh Woods misses an assignment after Roquan goes out when the defense is not ultimately matching up to what they need to be. This defense looked like a mess I think a lot of that does fall on Pagano who where the defense has started To struggle down the stretch, and it's not been fun to watch for anybody involved. And at some point, you've got to hope they get it together. I would imagine this defense is a much more prideful unit than putting out the results that they have been putting out, but I have nothing to back that up with because their results are just not very good right now. And again, facing Aaron Rodgers and one of the most dynamic offenses in football, and that includes the Chiefs at the moment, unfortunately, our rivals in Wisconsin really are that good. With Kendall Vildor playing meaningful starting reps alongside Duke Shelley. Remember, both of these guys are fourth, fifth round rookies. I think they're both fifth rounds. Duke Shelley, a sophomore and Josh Woods then entering the game. I believe he was a UDFA. uh, You're going to have a bad time. Like that's a tough sell for any defense, especially a defense that's trying to blitz Rodgers a little more, trying to create that extra little bit of pressure. And as they tried to, of course, Danny Trevathan got beat over the top by the MVS play that we saw actually get completed. Now, I'm thankful Rodgers didn't hit the next one, the one where Duke Shelley got beat on what seemed like a clean, deep post route that left him wide open. Rodgers threw the ball perfectly, and MVS just dropped it. I'm glad that happened. That's the second time I think that's happened against the bears in the last two years. The other one happening at Lambeau last year in week 16 in that crazy game that almost ended with the super lateral play actually working. But at this point, I'm curious to see if the Bears can slow down a Saints team that really likes to use its ground game, just like the Packers do, and the Bears were able to slow that down to quite a fair degree today, and that maybe they'll be able to find some way to, once again, like they did earlier in the season, slow down the Saints, and maybe the offense can grind something out. Honestly, just changing the team we're facing, getting away from facing the Packers, and facing anybody else has me feeling better about our matchup, than do the rivals which is exactly why this game was rough it felt like it started perfectly it felt like things got weird and the play that i really want to complain about because there is one and if you've listened this far in the podcast you probably know what i'm talking about it felt as if the bears did things that were pretty ho-hum and i have no idea what was and wasn't influenced by naggy mitch laser or whatever else including david Montgomery's injury but the bears weren't running the ball well which meant that they were generally taking whatever yardage they could with if it it was a six yard gain that was a good one if it was a two yard gain okay we'll move on and they kept ending up in these fourth and ones right and some of them they ran for them they got them some of them they used a QB sneak they got them one of them they lined up in the shotgun which was weird but they completed the pass so I guess we're not allowed to complain about that but then all of a sudden near the end of the game Matt Nagy, Bill Lazor, John DeFilippo, I don't really care who it was, had this brilliant idea that the Bears on fourth and inches ought to line up in a shotgun set and run that sprint rollout to Allen Robinson that they love to run and granted Allen's really good at this not to mention the the play involves a pick set by Jimmy Graham that's supposed to let Robinson beat his man in or one on one in coverage well Robinson didn't do that on this specific play I need to go back and rewatch it and figure out whether there was any holding or pass interference or whatever it might have been Robinson couldn't create any separation, Mitch had absolutely nowhere to throw the ball, and the Bears failed on this fourth and inches play. But what drove me nuts, and you guys know how I am about criticizing play calling, I find it a very weird exercise because it's extremely easy to say well why didn't we just sneak it you don't know if you would have gotten it but what drove me nuts is that we lined up in the shotgun at all if you want to run that play just run it from under center because at that point I have to think that sitting on the opponent's 20 with time ticking away in this game the thought is obvious they're probably going to sneak it again so if you at the very least snap that ball from under center you can catch the opposing defense Defensive line diving in like it's going to be a QB sneak maybe you could even catch the or the opposing cornerbacks biting in on the run a little bit though I don't know how they would help on a QB sneak that plays so fast but so the point is once you once you get back into the shotgun you've made it pretty clear that you're probably not going to run it because if you're going to run it you probably would have QB sneaked it and if you weren't or uh, so now you're going to pass it Well, what are the Bears' short yardage pass setups? Well, this one probably looks like the one that they used to Robinson. And of course, they covered it perfectly. I think that there's a lot there. Like, I think that that specific play call was really terrible, primarily because of the formation choice that I think tipped their hand on what they wanted to do, and that's exactly the kind of stuff that I would have expected Matt Nagy to learn from over the last three weeks, as the Bears have pretty much just used, used and abused condensed sets to guard the Bears' play calling from looking and appearing obvious, but here in this key, key fourth and inches, they did not do that, and instead... I think the Bears' play formation kind of gave away that, yes, this play choice, I will say, like, the one bright side is that they did pick a play that Trubisky and Robinson are extremely comfortable with. So, no, this isn't, like, a goal line handoff to Cole Kmet, for instance. But that said, I think the formation gave away what the Bears wanted to do. The Packers' corners covered it beautifully. I don't think Robinson gets that fouled up, like, on a route without the Packers having some semblance of an idea of what the bears wanted to do so i think the formation choice betrayed them and sure in theory this would send you back to the drawing board and this can happen to everybody because not everybody converts all their fourth downs i get it i get it you can't be five for five easily and often these things are going to go wrong but it feels like a choice that could have very easily been avoided to me and it's the kind of thing that would drive me nuts if I was a Bears fan or a Bears player because seriously it felt as if there were a much there were much simpler options that maybe they wouldn't have gotten the down but they at least would have made the defense or kept them on their toes made them defend every blade of grass instead that shotgun set to me said we're probably going to try to get the ball to Robinson and if not somebody's gonna get it on the outside of the field so you know expect a pass and the packers were able to adjust accordingly and stop the bears and from there at 16 to 21 the game effectively ended yes i get it the defense had their stand they didn't make it kindleville door didn't catch an interception but we've already talked about that offensively speaking the game got out of hand from there and you can't help but go back and look at that play in particular Outside of that play, this game is actually one that, the more that I think about it, the more excited I get to watch it on tape again, just so that I can try to understand if the Bears grew in any particular areas. I'm dying to know how Mustafer and Bars played. It looked like the linemen and linebackers the Packers had were bearing down on them, pun intended, and really pushing them hard, but... I don't know so I'm going to have to look and try to figure out if these issues are are going to show up again against a powerful 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 Saints front or not because if the Bears can run the ball against the Saints I think they've got a, a much much better shot than they are than if they Can't let's just put it that way. I also want to know if there's anything that the Bears can fix on defense. Like, is it just schematic issues? Losing Roquan Smith was undoubtedly huge. He's our green dot defender, so a big, big deal as far as team captains go. Like, probably, probably the Bears' most important defender at this point in in a defense that loves zone coverage as much as they do, and he's our best zone defender. But even so, part of me, or I don't know his status for next week. I have, I don't even know what injury it was. I didn't catch. It so I want. I hope he's back for next week. And I'm dying to know if he is, even if he is, and even if he isn't, what went wrong for the Bears and can they fix it going forward? It'll be curious to see. The Bears are in the playoffs, so uh, strange to be sure. but they're in, and we take that. At least I take that, because it means one more week of Bears football. Bears football is fun. We wait seven months for this, so we get to get that extra week. It's fun to say that the Bears are playing January football, and whether it's Matt Nagy next year, or a different coach, or a different GM, or a different quarterback, or whatever changes are coming, hopefully they're able to continue And five years down the road. We can say the Bears have made the playoffs in, I don't know, let's say five of the last seven years. That's ideal, even if you get a gimmicky playoff appearance here and there, everybody's gone one and done occasionally, and while I completely agree with most fans that'll say, this doesn't mean anything, uh, it depends on what you mean, sure, I agree that Super Bowl championships are all that matters, but at the same time, sports is for entertainment, it's for fun, it's for community, and Getting that extra 18th week is a great time for a Bears fan. I get to see more Navy and Orange play football. And hopefully, hopefully, after four straight weeks of really good play and then a game here that was much quakier, we can get a little bit of an answer on Mitch Trubisky and maybe more data on Matt Nagy because I am extremely curious as to whether they're going to try to evolve things off of this offense or whether they're just going to trot the same game playing out against New Orleans and hope that just maybe this time if we cross our fingers hard enough, it'll work. That's about all I have for you guys today, so if you enjoyed the show, please let me know in the Windy City comment section or any review on whatever platform that you're listening on. We would greatly appreciate here at Windy City Gridiron a five-star review that helps us promote our podcast channel to as many Bears fans all across the world as possible, and seriously, you guys have no idea just how many different countries we can get listens from, which is really rad, because when you see that Bears fans from the Middle East and Ireland and Scotland and the UK and Europe and Asia and all over the world are listening and talking about this team, it brings a whole lot of perspective to just how cool the Chicago Bears are, or at least to my nerdy perspective, it totally does. If you like what I have to say, feel free to follow me over on Twitter at Robert K. Schmitz, that's R-O-B-E-R-T-K S-C-H-M-I-T-Z If you want to listen to a more analytical breakdown of what happened in the game from an X's and O's perspective, you can find my work at run pass opinion where i'll be live streaming that exact breakdown this wednesday night at 9 p.m and until next time bears fans bear down and thanks so much for bearing with me